Ryan Sprague came to this podcast in a very interesting way. I actually got to sample his product, which happens to be cannabis. And when I tried it, I was like, oh shit, this guy is doing something different than I've ever experienced before. And when I sampled what he was doing, and you'll hear about all of the ways that he cultivates his cannabis on this podcast, and also all of the ways that I use cannabis ceremonially, and he does the same, it really elevates this plant to one of the most important plant medicine teachers that I've ever had access to. It's truly stunning the potential and capability that cannabis, which oftentimes we take for granted, has in its transformational and transcendental capacity. So I hope you guys enjoy this very personal and also illuminating conversation with Ryan Sprague. But before we get started, a word from our sponsors. First up, we have Magic Spoon. Now, when I was a kid growing up, I used to eat Fruit Loops. I ate Fruit Loops all the time and watch cartoons. And then, of course, you get a little older and you realize you can't eat Fruit Loops. That's all packed with sugar and it's not good for you. So actually, when I was on it, I had the idea like, man, it would be cool to make a cereal that tasted like Fruit Loops, but didn't have all of that sugar. Now, of course, you can't make anything taste identically like Fruit Loops, but has the same idea and has the same concept behind some of these great cereals that taste delicious that we remember nostalgically as kids and you know maybe nowadays and mix it with almond milk and that's actually what i do with magic spoon is magic spoon and almond milk replaces my fruit loops and low-fat milk like i used to back in the day so what magic spoon is is it's the flavor and the crunch of all of these nostalgic cereals done in their own way but with a whole different nutritional profile So ultimately, if you're interested in Magic Spoon, you can get them as a variety pack. There's four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. The pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, which is huge because of course it's super important to have protein first thing in the morning, and only four net grams of carbs. There's only 140 calories per serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and of course, low-carb. So this is a super good option whether you have kids or you just want to be a kid. And Magic Spoon is confident in their product and they're confident that you're going to like it. There's a 100% happiness guarantee. So if for whatever reason you don't like it, then just let them know and you'll get your money back. So go to magicspoon.com slash Aubrey to get your variety pack. And if you use the promo code Aubrey at checkout, you'll save $5 at your order. Once again, magicspoon.com slash Aubrey and save $5 off your variety pack order. So thank you for Magic Spoon for creating this cereal and also for sponsoring this episode. And lastly, we have on it. And I'm going to talk again about Alpha Brain Black Label. It took us 10 years to find a formula that was the Black Label version of Alpha Brain. What does Black Label mean? Well, that's just like the premium. That's the good shit. That's the top shelf shit. Now, I love Alpha Brain. I'm actually on Alpha Brain regular right now, and I feel sharp as fuck, and I love it. But that's really actually only because I ran out of Alpha Brain Black Label. The reason that I like Black Label so much is it just has a couple different key ingredients. It has some nutritional mushrooms that actually help light up the brain. It also has different forms of choline and it has mucunipurians, which really taps into the dopamine system and really keeps me 
highly engaged, focused, and rewarded for the work that I'm doing. So Alpha Brain Black Label is just my absolute go-to. It's also really good as a mood enhancer. I just feel better when I'm taking it. And when my mood is better, I'm more productive and I'm able to be at my best. So if you guys haven't checked it out, please do. It is the shit. Also, the packaging is super sexy, so it's a great gift if you want to give it to somebody. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey for 10% off everything at Onnit and also Alpha Brain Black Label. Once again, onnit.com slash Aubrey. And now for the Uninterrupted Podcast. Ryan. Aubrey. Here we are. And I have to tell everybody, I come from a lineage of podcasting, which includes Joe Rogan, in which the sacrament used for that podcasting is cannabis. But I have not done my dutiful job at weaving cannabis into my podcast, like my forefather, <laughs> Mr. Rogan. <laughs> Except for this podcast, the entirety of my preparation was smoking your weed. <laughs> yes. So here we are. And let me say this. Like, I've had experiences with cannabis. Cannabis was the first psychedelic medicine, drug, whatever you want to call it, because at that point, I don't know if you could even call it medicine, that I ever tried. I was like 16. I had older stepbrothers. They gave me some cannabis. It was a fucking blast. And it was a blast for like all the way up until college. Mm. And then it started to stress me the fuck out, mostly. Mm. And I could use it if I was going to pair it with yoga or going to pair it with breath work or going to pair it with something else. But I had to be very selective. Body work, it was great anything that was like somatic. And so I've kind of had a tenuous relationship with it. Even with, you know, when I'd go on Joe's podcast, he'd pass around the joint. I'd take a little bit, but I was mindful because I didn't want to fucking start thinking <laughs> yes. about the millions of people that were going to be listening to what I was saying. So then I got access to try some of your cannabis, which came highly recommended from Paul Check and from some other people that I trust, and I got a chance to try it, and I was like, holy shit, there's fucking levels to the game, and the levels aren't how many fucking crystals of THC you can pack in a nugget. Like, that is not the criteria. The criteria <laughs> is not trying to turn plant into shatter so that you can get so fucking high. Like, that's not the criteria for incredible medicinal cannabis, and I've really felt like I've been able to connect to the spirit of Santa Maria, mm. like the medicinal spirit, as my maestro, my ayahuasca maestro, Hamilton Souther said, the head medicine spirit of cannabis somehow comes through the strains that you're cultivating. And for that reason alone, I was like, I gotta talk to this guy and meet him <laughs> on a podcast. You know, it's so amazing to hear that, man, because for me, cannabis has been a long journey, you know? and. A lot of people ask me why cannabis, right? Like, why are you interested in cannabis? Why not all the other plant medicines? Where they all, you know, the ones I've experienced do incredible things. But for me and my own personal journey, you know, we can get into this if you want to. For me, you know, when I first found cannabis, I was 16 experiencing anxiety. And the only thing that helped was cannabis. I tried every pharmaceutical known to man. And with every one that didn't work, I kept feeling like, is this gonna be the way my life is forever? And so when I finally found cannabis, 
it actually worked. And how I would describe it today is it connected me deeper to myself. Mm -hmm. And it was just this great feeling where I was like, wow, I actually hopped into the observer point of view. And that's not the language I would use then. But now looking back on it, I was able to see that I wasn't my thoughts and what a profound realization to have when you're 17. You're like, you know, in the thick of it with school and everything like that. And of course, they don't teach you any of this stuff in school. I wonder why for you, mm. it allowed you to step outside and be the observer of your thoughts. Whereas mm. For me and for many people, it does the opposite. It collapses you into the paranoia of your thoughts. Yes. And maybe that's the fucking point, right? Maybe the point is, like, let's show you how miserable it is to be identified with your thoughts until you decide, uh, no, not going to fucking do this. 100%. And one of the ways I look at cannabis as with any plant medicine is as it's a mirror, right? And so if it is a mirror, then we can see that, like, what, you, what we're experiencing when we're interacting with cannabis and other medicines as well, is not actually the plant giving us paranoia or giving us anxiety because that's an externalization of power, but it's showing us Revealing. what's already in yeah. there. Yeah. And it's showing us what might be in the way of, say, if we made an intention to be happy, what might be standing in the way of us actually being happy at the end of the experience. But in reality, I think a lot of people use cannabis as a means to an end where they're looking for the effect of it. Where in reality, what I've found is that the real medicine that comes from cannabis is in what is shown to you, what is illuminated for you when you're in that experience. And so I think that big transition period for me of realizing that it wasn't the high I was looking for, like most of my friends at that time were looking for. It was what came through to me, what was aware to me when I got into that experience that really allowed me to connect deeply with cannabis at that time. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I mentioned Rogan at the start of this, but that was one of the things that he really appreciated about cannabis. He's mm -hmm. like, I will eat a bunch of it or smoke a bunch of it. And then I will go in a float tank and I will have to reckon with my thoughts. Mm -hmm. I will have to wrestle with myself until, you know, and then he used that as a way to kind of forge his own psyche and be able to to manage it and of course that's the way right the way is like put yourself in an uncomfortable situation force an adaptation or absolute misery whatever mm. you, whatever whatever you, way you want to go <laughs> um but to use it in that context i think is just an important reframe so people are saying like oh cannabis gives me anxiety great great you have anxiety anyways mm -hmm. so why don't you use this to exaggerate it exaggerate your anxiety to the point that you can actually confront it you know bring it out of the woodwork so that you can deal with it yeah you know one of my good buddies mark england has a quote that says if you laugh at the devil he will run away and so when we think about anxiety or any of these things they can be seen as our devils and so when we're actually able to just look at them and we're actually able to tune into them rather than try to run from them or distract ourselves from them as i did for many years you know we're actually able to see like oh this isn't really as bad as i thought it was it might still be challenging but it's not as like you know, scary as I dreamt it up to be. Because in my experience, when I've actually looked into my shadow and things like that, it's really like, it's just never as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, and I think that's one of the biggest realizations that I've found specifically with cannabis because it's the medicine I interact with most prevalently. But it's also helped me with other medicines as well, where I've been able to then go, oh, this is very similar to what I've experienced with cannabis. And like Joseph Campbell says, bliss is any emotion felt all the way through. So what I've found is even in anxiety, even in paranoia, even in depression, I can find a bliss state within that if I actually just sit with that feeling instead of trying to run from it. Yeah, bliss is any feeling fully felt, mm. I think is uh, is actually how he phrased it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's tough. That's tough. Easier said that than takes, done. Yeah, that takes some serious tuning in and alchemy, the ability to actually 
take the stimulus and then allow it allow yourself to feel it and and recalibrate it i think a lot of times the categorization of things the the label that we put on it actually determines what we feel about it mm. but if you really lived under that operating system which of course is is an operating system that i celebrate as much as i can mm. for most things because that's part of the poet's ethos, right? Like, what is a poet? A poet is somebody who allows himself or herself to feel so deeply that either the ecstasy or the anguish forms words that point back to that feeling that they feel. If you don't feel anything, your poetry is shit. It's contrivance, <laughs> right? Yes. Like, because the words are just there to point to something you feel. And the more you feel it, the more your words have the opportunity to point to something that's real. And then there's there's the ecstasy of human experience whatever that thing is but these are higher level psychotechnologies that you know we're kind of pointing to here absolutely and i think for me like when i started tuning into these things there were things i was feeling within the cannabis space that some of my friends just didn't seem like they were feeling and i always say like you know where most of my friends were using it in the party atmosphere when i was 16 17 i would go in and watch star wars right and i would just illuminate and think about things and really <laughs> ask myself like what if any of this is actually true and in that i started actually facing some of these challenges and these demons that were inside of me and what i realized was that the ability for it to connect to myself was amazing in and of itself but when my father got diagnosed with cancer and I had to help him through end of life with cannabis and I got to watch him connect deeper to his grandchildren, his other children, me, I got to hear stories from his childhood that I had never heard before. And I got to help him come to terms with his own mortality. That's where I really realized the true power of cannabis and how much this can do for the human experience. It doesn't mean it's a given, right? Because as you were saying, there's many different varieties and methods of cultivation with cannabis. And there's so many different quantitative and qualitative measures that go into cannabis being able to work in this way. And most of it is factory farmed these days, right? So just like industrialized meat, you're not going to get the same results as if you're eating grass-fed meat, for instance. And I think that's an important distinction to make too, is that, you know, having worked in the industry myself, I know how most of these plants are being grown. And so when I was able to help my dad through this process with the medicine that we had cultivated together, you know, it was just this experience for me where I really started to realize like, this is part of my purpose. You know, this is part of my dharma. This is part of my path. And so from there, I realized, wow, there's really no user manual out there for cannabis, right? It's the most prevalent. It's the most misunderstood, I feel, in many ways. But there's no user manual out there for it. No one really has got the user manual for how to interact with this plant. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we face today is that people end up doing much more harm than good in most cases with cannabis. Yeah, I hear all the time. Everybody knows I'm a psychedelic medicine advocate. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that I'm advocating for everybody to do it or for anybody to do it. But they understand that I tell about my experiences and have told about my experiences for as long as I had a platform to talk about them. And just tried to illuminate the benefit that they've had in my life. Mm. And people will come to me and they will say, I could never do psychedelics because this one time I accidentally ate this weed cookie <laughs> and I got so high and it was the worst night of my life. And I was like, yeah, like if you eat too much cannabis, it will be the most challenging experience. And I'll fucking tell you, I've been in all the challenging experiences. Ayahuasca has brought me to brutal places of physical and mental anguish. Iboga told me for eight hours I was the biggest piece of shit on the planet, only at hour nine to be like, just kidding, bro. <laughs> like played the long game. Like I've been in some gnarly situations. But once again, 
I had a buddy who made a cookie and I said, how strong is this cookie? He's like, ah, oh, not strong at all. And it was goddamn delicious. And I ate that thing and it was the worst night of my fucking life. Yeah. <laughs> the worst night of my fucking life out of all of the experiences I've had. Even when, you know, combo, which isn't cl- uh, classic psychedelic, but I got overdosed with that. My, I went into anaphylactic shock. Mm. My throat swole shut. I had a veterinary medicine special emergency medicine specialist was about to do a field tracheotomy on me in the middle of the fucking bush that was better (laughs) that was better than when i had too much weed so for anybody out there it's like i could never do anything like because of this experience no this can be one of the most challenging experiences on the planet just know that just because it's legal and everybody seems to do it doesn't mean that this is an easy road Absolutely. And I think the thing with edibles is that many people don't understand that when you consume cannabis and it gets metabolized by the liver, it gets turned into, Delta 9 gets turned into a totally different cannabinoid called 11-hydroxy-THC, which is 10 times more powerful and intoxicating than Delta 9-THC. And so, so many people would come into the dispensary and would go, yeah, I, you know, I smoke cannabis all the time. Just give me like a, I don't know, a 200 milligram edible. I'm like, guys, (laughs) I'm like, it doesn't work like that. I remember one time, Long before I understood these things, a friend gave me a 250 milligram cake pop and I was like, oh, it's a little tiny, yeah, it's like a little tiny, like basically cake with frosting on the outside on a lollipop stick. And I was like, this looks amazing. Right. And so there was a, there was a blizzard happening in Boston. I was like, what better time to eat a 250 milligram cake pop? Oh my God. So I ate the whole thing and then the power went out. And my basement floods because I have a sump pump down there. So I had to go outside in the blizzard and try to start a generator that hadn't got started in 10 years, all while I'm like losing like concept of reality. And I finally get this thing going and I screamed at the sky like Thor because I felt like I was like, if I can do this, I can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, I know. (laughs) It kind of feels like one of those, you know, like tribes have these really powerful, intense initiations where you like put your hand in a in a Mm. basket woven uh, oven mitt looking glove that has bullet ants with the fucking stingers pointing towards you and it's the Mm -hmm. most painful thing on the planet you got to hold your hand in there or you get buried up to your neck and immobilized in clay or you jump on a fucking bungee cord made of i'm not recommending any of these things (laughs) nor am i recommending what i'm about to say but as like an initiatory practice you know cannabis at high doses where you have to deal with yourself kind of like a vision quest of your own mind is interesting because this is a very squirrely and dangerous thing to do with most any other medicine right like i've there are very very strong cautionary tales against doing this with ayahuasca with doing this again with lsd with doing this with uh, mushrooms in particular, like any of these ones, I would say like pretty much terrible idea to take it to, you want to do minimum effective dose for yes. all of these things. And probably that's the case with cannabis. I'm just exploring out loud this idea because cannabis doesn't seem to open you too particularly to kind of external forces or traps of the mind that are new it's almost like it's just revealing what's already there. It's a way to face off with yourself, very much like the darkness retreat that I did. Mm. It wasn't like I was encountering, you know, I was in the wild, surfing the wild astral and I needed El Dragon de la Selva to all away the fucking bad energy in there. It was just me. 
whatever was there was fucking me. And maybe it's always me, but in sometimes it feels like it's me plus. Let's just yes. say that. And with cannabis, it also feels like this is me. This is my body. This is what's going on in me. And so just gently putting out the possibility that that could be part of like an initiatory ritual. Absolutely. I mean, it definitely was for me, you know, it might not have been right. planned, but it ended up being that. Right. And, you know, it's funny that you were talking about minimum effective dosing because that's always what I suggest with cannabis and with other plant medicines as well. Just because at the end of the day, like these things can be amazing, but they can also do a lot of harm too, if you don't do them and don't hold them in reverence and don't respect them. Right. And so like, when I hear Terrence McKenna's advice with cannabis to just slam it, which is what he <laughs> suggests, I'm like, that's a slippery slope, right? And of course, Terrence was a certain type of individual that seemed to be able to handle things like that. Yeah. But I feel but like- also Terrence said a hero dose was five grams of mushrooms, and that's, I don't know, that's I, reasonable. A hundred percent. That's reasonable. I mean, except if it's like penis envy or something like ridiculous like that, like one of those really strong strains, yeah. then five grams is like- fucking buckle up son yeah i had that happen by accident one time <laughs> the difference is the difference is enormous yeah like fucking enormous between the strains of mushrooms so another random caveat like be mindful like one gram of penis envy is like three and a half at least of a normal strain of like golden teacher 100 percent. i mean i remember when i had done this a couple of friends and I made an 18 gram tea and figured, oh, you know, we'll just split it. It'll be about six grams each. We'll be fine. And I a literally- penis envy. Yeah, penis envy. Ooh, and I didn't goodness. know at this point. Again, Ooh, long time goodness. ago in a galaxy far, far away. And so <laughs> and so when I when the effects came on, you know, I remember I was uh, laughing and I laughed so hard that I triggered this visceral response in me that I was choking, my throat was closing up and I was going to die all in like a nanosecond. And so I really quickly like went to the bathroom, tried to play it cool. And I was like, I'm okay. And every time a voice would say, no, you're not. It was just messing <laughs> with me. So I tried to puke, couldn't puke. And then after about five minutes, I realized like, wait a minute, wouldn't my throat have already closed up? And the second that happened, I got the biggest cosmic giggle of like the mushroom entity or whatever laughing at me and being like, all right, we checked you before you wrecked yourself. Now you can go hang out and get some fun, <laughs> fun visuals, you know? And so yeah. I learned from that experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's so there's lots of reasons to be super mindful and careful. And I think that's still the best advice and everything. But I'm at least curious about pushing, especially because with your cannabis, I've developed such a, feels like a, such a good relationship mm. with the medicine. And, and so- kind of formed that sim a different like a more evolved relationship that i had when i was in high school and in some ways this goes to the three levels of consciousness right you start in the pre-tragic in the pre-tragic you're in eden everything is cool it was all funny every piece of food tasted great i was just laughing music sounded better sex was better everything was better it was like <laughs> cannabis equals everything is better mm -hmm. you know art is better doesn't matter mm -hmm. everything is better then i entered the tragic world where it's like Oh, wow, everything is worse. I mean, food still tasted better. <laughs> Occasionally sex felt better, but like otherwise, and everything was kind of like confusing and difficult. So that would be from the pre-tragic to the tragic. And then there's the post-tragic, which is including all of the different wisdom of all of that. But it's almost like a return back to that pre-tragic state where everything is awesome, except you have the wisdom of making the journey. Mm. And it kind of feels like that's where I am with cannabis right now. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I would say very similar for me. Like I went through that period where I was first getting into it, where everything was amazing. I helped my father through it. It was incredible. And then I got into the industry 
And when I started getting into that, I started watching a lot of different people's habits with cannabis. And at this point, I was only interacting with it once a night. So I fell into this like, oh, I'm using it in the right way, right? I'm holding in reverence. I'm using it consciously. And then it was actually through an MDMA ceremony in Las Vegas, where in the weirdest spot, which I'll mention if you want me to, but in the weirdest spot. Like Spearman Rhino? Uh, <laughs> dude, it was actually. I've done some MDMA ceremonies. It was actually, it was actually a strip club in Las Vegas <laughs> <laughs> with Rachel. And, you know, we went to this big cannabis convention to find our, our own investors to start our own uh -huh. place. And everyone out there was just more worried about how much money we could make them. And so sure. we were kind of going through a mini dark night of the soul, which is when cannabis started to not turn into that tragic stage for me, but also like more started, to, I started to feel a lot more of like, what am I going to do about this? Right? Like, right. this is the industry I wanted to spend the rest of my life. And what am I going to do? So we were like, you know, what do we do our last night here? And she was like, let's go to the strip club. And I was like, perfect. So mm -hmm. we took some MDMA. We went to the strip club. We ended up talking to the strippers all night. They were like, you guys are weird. I'm like, what's happening here? No, right? they actually probably loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, they probably loved it. <laughs> they actually probably loved it. Yeah. yeah. And we got their life stories. It was, it was amazing, you of know? And, and so like when we left there, I had this moment where I was actually able to feel a real low because we left too late. Rachel had a big project she was working on. And so I felt that low. And in that moment, it was bliss because I realized, oh my God, I haven't been feeling a lot of my feelings in a long time since my father passed. Mm. And so on that plane ride home, I had this five hour flight with a pounding migraine and I was just in pure bliss because I was realizing like, oh my goodness, like I was only experiencing a couple different shades of the rainbow of emotion. And a big part of that was because I was using cannabis unconsciously at that point. Mm. Because what I realized was I was at this dispensary that was out of alignment for what my soul wanted. I would get all the motivation to change it. And then I would go home. I would interact with cannabis. I would be embraced with the comfort of the feminine. And then I would go back to work the next day and feel the same thing. And it was a cyclical process. And that's where that tragic stage started for me. And then once I actually was able to go through this experience and get back to the dispensary and stop interacting with cannabis, I only lasted a month there before I was like, I got to leave here. Yeah. And then I started highly optimized and you know, the rest is history. <laughs> you know, I saw one of the, I saw one of the, negative consequences of cannabis really early actually mm. also in high school so i had a buddy who his dream was to be a musician mm. like the black crows he had that was his band you know and he was he wanted that more than anything else and he was big big into cannabis and he would smoke daily and when he would smoke cannabis would tell him that he was gonna it was gonna be a rock star right and he practiced he practiced but he was he was shy and so he never actually took the steps to like actually go out form a band be a part of a band play the shows that all was like far delayed from actually what steps would have been needed to take like what he actually needed the motivation he needed to take to actually do it there was a big delta. Mm. And so that dream never manifested. Now I get it. It's fucking hard to be a musician and maybe it wasn't in the cards anyways. But I could see where the cannabis kept telling him and he'd be like, you know, I'm going to be playing in front of tens of thousands of people, brother. And I was like, awesome. But like, what about playing in front of 10 people now? You know, because I got that. Like I got, if you're going to do that, you got to start like right now. Mm doing this type of thing you got to get over your shyness you got to you can't just get into the magical thinking of smoking and then feeling it there but not actually taking the steps in real life so that was the first time i saw something where it was like okay all right this is potentially a, a way in which cannabis is providing relief for his impulse to try and be that 
rock star that he wanted to be. It was it was kind of diverting it into this dead end cul-de-sac. Yeah, you know, I've seen that a lot as well, especially when I, worked, when I worked at the dispensary. And one of the things that I tell people is if we understand that cannabis is feminine medicine, then I always use this analogy of the salsa dance, where in a salsa dance, the masculine role is to give direction and to lead the dance, right? And the woman's role is to be able to express herself fully. But if the masculine role is not playing his part of the equation and not giving her that eye that tells her, like, you can express yourself. I know where you're going to fall and I can catch you. Then essentially the feminine's not going to be able to really be at her full speed and the masculine's not going to be at his full speed either. And so with cannabis, what I always say is that regardless of what gender you are, if you're entering this experience, your side of the bargain or your part of the bargain is creating an intention from which to give the experience a direction. It's not the only aspect of it, but if you understand that elementary aspect of just being able to give it an intention, then just like, you know, your mother, right? When you were sick, she would want to know, what do you want? But if you kind of just looked at her with a blank stare, she'd be like, all right, you weirdo, I don't know what you want, so I'm going to come right. back later. Right. But if you told her, hey, I need this, she'd be like, okay, cool, I can go give that to you. Right. Now, the challenge is that if someone asks, say, for instance, to be happy, and then they experience anxiety, they might be like, why am I experiencing anxiety? I wanted to be happy. So the second part is understanding it's a mirror, and it will show you what's standing in the way of you accessing what your intention that you set wants to be. Mm -hmm. And so like... The third part of it is imagination medicine, where if you understand that it can help you access the imagination from moving you into the subconscious, then you're able to actually see that you can form new belief systems and these kind of things are possible, yet they're not givens, right? Like you right. still have to do a lot of work yourself in the equation to be able to have cannabis experience uh, you in this way, right? And experience cannabis in that way. And mm -hmm. so this is why like, I saw there was no guidance out there, right? For being the most popular plant medicine, I'm like, where's all the guidance? The guidance you get at the dispensary is, you won't get cancer, smoke it all day long every day and it's fine. That's like literally the guidance that people mm. are getting. And I was working with everyone that, you know, from the age of 20 to the age of 80. And I was working with some elderly individuals that would come in and they'd get advice from other dispensaries to eat a hundred milligram edible. And I'm like, where is this Goodness. advice coming from? Right. Goodness. And they'd say, oh, well, you know, they have a big pharmaceutical tolerance. Maybe they've already been on, you know, opiates or something like that. So we're going to give them a higher dose. And I'm like, that doesn't translate whatsoever. Like right. it's just, there's no guidance. And so that's why we made connect with cannabis to bridge that gap. Cause I really feel that Cannabis can be so much more than what it is. And I think part of it is just reimagining what cannabis is because it can be a powerful tool for self-development and self-awareness, yet it's not a given. It has to be worked to be able to be achieved in that way. Yeah, it's almost like the gifts are hidden in plain sight. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it has some of the highest unrealized upside of any, of any medicine that's as widely used as it is. Mm. You know, I mean, I think... You take mushrooms, for example, right? Not as widespread, but more often than not, people are actually realizing the upside, you know, where it's like, you know, I had a buddy, um, really successful athlete. And the first time I met him, he was like, let me, you want to know about the greatest day of my life? And I was like, ah, oh, probably when you won that fucking championship, right? Like, you know, <laughs> Lombardi trophy, big deal. And, uh, and he was like, I took mushrooms on the beach and I merged mm. with the ocean. It's the best day of my life. <laughs> you know and i was like fuck <laughs> you know so and that's just it's not that he intended to do that but but mushrooms can bring you and also it can you can get in some dark places you can have some nightmarish experiences i'm not saying that that's not possible as well but more often you know more often than with cannabis people are realizing the potential because that's like 
the potential that I think psilocybin has, right? Mm -hmm. That type of experience where you're with your buddies, you're laughing with them, you merge with the ocean and realize that you and the water itself of the great mother are seamless. Okay, nailed it. You know, like (laughs) 10 out of 10. Yes. But cannabis is like reliably giving people six out of 10, five out of 10, seven out of 10, maybe occasionally an eight out of 10. But like rarely is it getting to that 10 out of 10 experience, you know, and th- and that could be many different ways. It is such a multifaceted and, and kind of interestingly complicated plant, mm. you know, because you can use it for poetry and you can use it for introspection. You can use it for connection. You, it's, there's a lot of different ways that you can really dive deep in it. But, uh, but I feel like there's so much delta between what people are getting out of it and what its potential is. Absolutely. You know, I kind of view the cannabis spirit as shy a little bit, where like it won't just show you itself like mushrooms might. And just like you said with mushrooms, they might show you of many different varieties of experiences, right? But they're going to show you like what their power is much quicker than cannabis. Cannabis, you almost need to work a little bit more with to be able to have that type of experience with. And that's what I had, right? Where Cannabis will almost almost give you the experience that you're asking for. And so if you're not really aware that it can do these things, well, then it's not really going to show you that side of it. But at the same time, if you start asking questions, and that's why I tell people, you know, I don't say this is the right or wrong way to interact with cannabis. There's no duality here. It's just simply the way that I do it. And if someone picks up something that they want to try out, cool. And what I've experienced in doing the program and all of these things is that when people start going, okay, what if I live my life as if cannabis could work this way, right? And they go from that as if to being like, okay, now I had the direct experience. Now it can be more matter of fact where I go, okay, I've had the direct experience of cannabis working this way. When you bridge that gap, a whole new world can open up. Mm. And that's been one of the coolest things for me because new worlds are opening up every single time I sit in ceremony with cannabis, where even though I teach a program on it that I've been doing this for 12 years, there's constantly new things that are even illuminating to me. And it's just an eternal mystery. And that's one of my most fascinating components of cannabis that I Mm -hmm. love so much. Yeah. There's an element of cannabis too that's very interesting in how it interacts with other medicines. Mm. And I've had experiences where it interacted with psilocybin in a particularly intense way. And I would not recommend it, Mm. you know, Yes, it can deepen the experience, but it it created an incredibly chaotic and intense situation. And I've seen that happen, not just with me, but with other people. Mm. So like that is a pairing that I'm like, maybe at the very end of things, half, long after the peak, things are chilled out, like, all right, all right. But like, be careful. Be super careful with that one. 100%. You know? (laughs) You know, it's like Paul Check says about having two wives. Until you learn how to ride one horse really well, (laughs) don't try riding two because you'll get thrown and ripped apart, you know? And that's how I view it as well. You know, I think that as Hamilton talks about, cannabis calls on a lot of spirits. So sometimes it can be like too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And especially if you already have the spirit of psilocybin within you, and then you try invoking this and you don't know how to call on the head spirit and do these types of things, it can almost be like just in a really loud room with a bunch of conversations happening at once, right? And you're like, which one do I attach onto? And so I've, I've definitely gone through those experiences too. And what I found is that, like you were saying, on the tail end of psilocybin, it's fantastic. Rachel and I had done a tea probably about six months ago where we went through the whole experience. 
We meditated, we listened to sound healing frequencies, which is what we usually do when we do a larger dose. And at the end, at about three in the morning, I decided to interact with some of the Stropicana. And it was, um, I wrote, I literally channeled into my journal like mm. five pages and so much got downloaded to me. But when I've tried it, like at the peak of the experience, it's just too many cooks in the kitchen, right? right? It's yeah. not necessarily challenging, but it's just like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be paying attention to. And so I feel like I'm missing a lot of the messages that could potentially be the lessons that I'm looking to learn in that experience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, let me go to something where I feel like they do stack together mm. on top of each other, and that's cannabis and ketamine. Mm. To me, that combination forms not a stack, but actually a fusion. Mm. It creates a fusion of the limitlessness of the mind and the somatic embodiment that cannabis can provide. And it creates something else that the handshake is so complete that it just forms one new thing. Yeah. And to me, that is one of the least talked about like possibilities in psychedelic medicine, period. Like I've had some of my most profound journeys of any journey I've ever been on utilizing that combination. And in that combination, you want the peaks to match. Mm. Like you actually, and I'm not saying that you couldn't do it another way, but the magic happens when you get both peaks to match. And then this is not a walking around the fucking room type of thing. <laughs> do, no, this is a mindfold on good headphones or whatever, really good speaker. Typically, John Hopkins music is the best music mm. for psychedelic therapy. He's also got a bunch of other great tracks. Put on some John Hopkins playlist and allow yourself to bring your body into the void so that you can interact with the limitlessness of the mind and the quantum potentiality and the information intelligence of your body. And to me, that is one of the most powerful things that I've experienced. And it went to just another fucking level when I tried it with your cannabis. Mm. You know what's really funny, man? So I've only had one experience with something like ketamine, and it was- What's uh, something like ketamine? So, what am I missing? So, so, so this is what I'm so excited to share with you. So I have these buddies that run a certain biohacking company, and they have this incredible product they make that has a ketamine analog and a psilocybin analog in it, along with a couple other things too. And so I've never done straight ketamine before, but this experience allowed me to actually understand what dissociating is. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've experienced similar things to this in other medicines, not like this, but a same, same, but different type feeling. Mm -hmm. And interacting with cannabis on that is one of the best experiences ever. There was a couple of weeks ago where it was Rachel's birthday. And so we went to the beach and we were interacting, we were playing Can Jam, which is one of my favorite games, so much fun. And uh, we interacted with one of these trochies and then we hit some bags. And it was just, I mean, I lost, not lost, I, I gained so much presence that mm -hmm. nine hours flew by and I didn't mm -hmm. even think about my phone. I didn't even think about anything else. Yeah. I was just so in the moment, like a mind of a child. And so I imagine that combination is absolutely incredible. Now yeah. that you've said it too, yeah, I'm very it's, interested. Yeah, <laughs> it's stunning. I mean, I will feel energy moving up and down through my body, healing that happens at such a profound level. Like, you know, even the best Reiki healing on the best dose of you know mushrooms or ayahuasca or whatever, you'll feel some energy move and it's potent. Mm. This feels like it's on autopilot and it's just happening in such a profound way. I'm going, I, I can't believe this. I can't <laughs> believe, I just cannot believe what is happening energetically in my body as well as 
you know, psychologically. And it doesn't always, it doesn't always, I don't always match them up quite right. Sometimes you can match them up a little, little wrong where cannabis is a little too strong and the ketamine's not strong enough. The ketamine's a little too strong. But so you got to try and match them up in the right way. And I think you have to be in the right headspace. And there's a lot of factors, of course, it's energetic medicine, Hmm. but you can get it where it's just, you see the world in a different place. I feel like I've up-leveled my consciousness mm. in a more significant way since discovering that pairing and of course i have you know doctor prescribed ketamine so i'm getting really like high quality and reliable amounts i'm not just like ripping bumps out of a fucking spoon yeah. or, a, or a pinky nail or something yeah. like that but um but yeah it's been it's been really profound for me to explore that world and also it gives me a lot of hope because there's very, I mean, I feel like it gives access to the depth that a lot of these other, you know, medicines can be with limited limited downside and also legality in, I don't know, how many states is cannabis legal now? God. 14 or Yeah, something? 14 to 18, somewhere in there. I was just and looking at the map this it's morning. It's going to be universal, <laughs> yeah. you know, pretty soon. So it's almost fully legal mm. to do this, mm. you know? So it's like, this is maybe one of the first things. Of course, MDMA is going to be legal in, in clinical settings soon. But it's just one of those things that's coming into the planet now at a time where the planet really needs it. And then, of course, pairing the ketamine and cannabis with body work, where and that's something that I've been, you know, I've been trained to be able to provide from my teacher, Parangi, a very particular type of body work that works in the somatic body and, you know, the, the subtle body as well. And that combination is just, it's really phenomenal. It's mm. really phenomenal to both receive and actually give and enter that space with people. Yeah, I love that, man. And you know, you're 100% right. You know, every different type of archetype of human being is interacting with cannabis from policemen to firemen to librarians to doctors to elderly people to young people. I mean, there's so many different types of people interacting with this medicine that I'm, I, I think the same as you. This could be the introductory thing to people exploring shifting consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, if we talk about astrologically, the age of Aquarius coming through and all these things, we can see a shift happening. And so I imagine that many people are gonna start to become curious if they aren't already regarding these medicines, cannabis, ketamine, MDMA, psilocybin, et cetera. And I've had fantastic experiences with all of them. But the great thing about cannabis is that unlike a lot of other medicines, you can do it in your living room if you have to, right? You don't need to necessarily take a trip. You don't need to necessarily have a facilitator, although I do recommend it, especially if you're new to it. Yeah. But it's it's really like the people's plant in a lot of ways, right? Because right. you could, I'm not saying you should, right? And I don't do it, but you could drive a car. You could technically do your daily tasks on these types of things where like, how many people do you know that eat a gram of mushrooms to fold their laundry, right? Or do the laundry? Mm-hmm. Probably not a lot, but regularly people will be like, oh, I'm gonna interact with cannabis to be able to do laundry, to be able to do this, do that, et cetera. And the funny thing is that I was in a recent cannabis experience where I was going to interact with it and I had this laundry I wanted to fold. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna fold the laundry first. And then I got this download and I was like, I wonder what would happen? Because usually folding laundry is something I just get frustrated about. I was like, I wonder if I interacted with cannabis before I folded my laundry. I just hang everything up because I'm so bad at it. (laughs) I don't blame you, I'll be like, whatever, like fucking workout shorts. I'm like, fuck it. (laughs) Just hang hang them. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny, man, because like, you know, when I interacted with cannabis this time as an experiment, I was like, what will happen? Why am I getting called to do this? What I realized was that, like we were talking about a little bit earlier, it was the story I had upon what folding my laundry meant. 
Originally, it was something I just had to do because I just had to do it. And when I interacted with cannabis, I was present and I was doing it. And I was like, wow, this is really an act of self-love because I know that when I wake up and all my laundry's put away and I have an ergonomic space that's clean and feels conducive to me working in and things like that, that I love myself a little bit more. Mm. And so I started to be like, wow, cannabis, I find to be one of the only medicines that can connect us to the most mundane tasks of our life. Yeah. Turn it into the Zen, the Zen Zen of folding laundry, the Zen of doing dishes. Yeah. Because like, it's one thing, it's great to be connected and feel amazing when you're hanging with friends or you're having a group dinner or you're on a medicine ceremony. But what happens on all the mundane aspects of our life, taking out trash, folding laundry, et cetera, if we can connect to those components of our life, well, then we increase the ability of us to connect deeper to our lives because how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you learn how to connect deeper to yourself folding laundry, then guess how much better you might be at being able to connect more with other people, connect more with the work you're doing, connect more with your clients. It's fantastic. So those are like the eternal mysteries. Like I said, they're always coming out for me and I'm just an eternal student. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Let's give people a troubleshooting guide. Let's Mm -hmm. say you smoke some cannabis, eat some cannabis, you start feeling that creeping anxiety, that constriction in your chest, your head starts creeping out to all of these potential timelines where you've projected a version of yourself in the future and that future self is suffering some terrible calamity and the world is closing in and you find yourself in one of these positions. What's your advice for how to bring people back to center Mm. and start to quiet these? Because one of the challenges is alongside those, you have hormones that are actually in your body. Cortisol is being released. Mm adrenaline noradrenaline all of these different things are happening and they actually take a while to settle down to Mm -hmm. flush out of the bloodstream again so you're going to have to really focus on something i imagine but Mm -hmm. what's your advice the breath the first thing is the breath come back to your breath and just start noticing right are you upregulated? are you breathing up into your lungs are you down in your diaphragm where are you breathing and how are you breathing and what i always say for most people is do a down regulatory breath work style like box breathing it's easy you can just do an count in for four hold for four breathe out for four and if you want to hold the breath out for four at the end you can do that too and then the second thing is a mantra that I use for any medicine when I'm having a challenge, which is I took a medicine and the medicine is working, right? Because (laughs) a lot of times I forget that like, hey, I was totally willing to experience a challenge before I got in on this, but now that I'm experiencing, it's very similar to an ice bath, right? You're like, yeah, let's do an ice bath. And you get in there in the first 10 seconds, you're like, why am I in here? Why am I even doing this, right? Mm. And so reminding yourself like, okay, I took a medicine and the medicine is working the exact way it needs to work. Sometimes we start shooting all over ourselves, right? right? This shouldn't be happening. Something else should be happening. And so reminding ourselves that, hey, this is exactly what we're looking for and exactly what we asked for, even if it might not be exactly what we thought it might be, getting ourselves to realize that we are in control of how we perceive the experience. And then the third step is just realizing that whatever you're experiencing is simply sensations that you might have a story on. Now, it's not necessarily easy to be like, oh, it's just a story. I'll, I'll just top my way out of it. But these things, as you start repeating them to yourself, getting into the breath, being able to connect with that mantra, and then being able to tell yourself, like, okay, this anxiety I might be feeling or this paranoia, what is the sensation? Let's leave the story behind of what I know anxiety to be or what I know paranoia to be. And let me connect with these feelings because when you can actually connect with the feeling and just go, okay, I want to look at you objectively, right? I want to leave the story behind and just tune into this uncomfortable feeling I'm feeling. A lot of times it will dissipate. Because emotions only last so long, right? And it might take a while, right? It might not be five minutes. It might be the full experience. But eventually, you will feel it subside, at least in my experience and with the clients I've worked on. And so that three-step process really helps me a lot, you know, connecting to the breath, repeating either that mantra or one that's kind of the same type of idea, and then being able to tune into the sensations in your body without Mm -hmm. necessarily the story that you might have around, 
oh my God, the last time I interacted with cannabis and this happened, what happened, you know, or it was the worst experience of my life. Like in, you know, your case with the edible, right? Like if you had a similar experience, trying to disconnect yourself from the memory of that past experience and going, this is a new experience. I'm going to treat it as such. That's really helped me. Yeah. One other technique that I've found to be helpful in certain situations is sometimes getting into the body. Mm. Because sometimes energy is just building and it needs to be expressed Mm. in some way. So if you can actually, and it's sometimes the last thing you want to do, but (laughs) if you can like dance, you know, put on some music and get yourself. And the first little bit is usually going to be tough. So I'll actually try to do some more like acrobatic, you know, kind of uh, calisthenically focused dancing where it's like squat dancing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, where I'm like really actually, because I've never been in an uncomfortable psychedelic experience where I broke a sweat and it was still uncomfortable, Mm. right? So like once you're in your body and moving it that way, typically that will break whatever different kind of spell you're in at that point. So that's just another technique that I think can be effective to apply. It takes definitely some work, but the moment that you start to break a sweat, typically the experience is going to be like, oh, okay, all right. I'm good here. And it's funny you say that because where attention goes, energy flows, right? So if you start focusing on something else, well, your attention's dramatically going to leave what you're focusing on at that point and start entering the new place. And you mentioned, you know, uh, athletics and things like that. And, you know, I was at a, a shindig one time with Leo Savage and he was sprinting, like just absolutely sprinting. And I asked him about it and he was like, yeah, that's what I do. And I start feeling things come on that might be a little challenging is I just start sprinting. And so here he is running around the house at full speed. It was it was a pretty funny sight to be seen. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't grab his mace. I know. I'm I think sure. he grabbed the mace after. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Leo Savage is a steel mace wizard who yeah. uh, who works out on it. He's amazing. Um, yeah, and that's a and that's a really good if you're at a festival or something like that. Like that's a really good before you check into the Zendo tent. Try to at least like first break a sweat. You Definitely. Know? Like get in there get a sweat going and and that'll really help. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned festivals because one of my most challenging experiences with cannabis that I don't think I've ever told before was at Electric Forest where we got there and I had all this neck tension. It was right after my father passed away and just like mm. really soon after he passed away, I woke up one day and I just had this insane amount of neck tension. And for some reason, I was putting all of my focus around this neck tension. And so for 16 hours for the drive there, I was looking up individual muscles in my neck and trying to figure out which ones were tight. Yeah, zero out of 10 would not recommend doing that because <laughs> one of the time I got there, I was so upregulated. And then I decided we were walking on the campground. I was like, oh, let me smoke a joint. And immediately I started feeling something strange happen where it seemed like dissociating a little bit where I was walking around, but I just didn't feel like I was fully me. I didn't feel like I was fully centered inside of me. And so I continue smoking this joint and we get back to our camp And uh, we sat inside of our gazebo and I started like feeling short of breath. And so I look at one of my friends and I was like, man, I feel like I'm going to die. And he was like, yeah, me too. And then just goes back to talking. Right. And so like, he didn't like, you know, cause again, it's like, I just said it. He didn't know anything that was going on. So I'm like, well, that was my one shot. Right. So I'm like sitting there and every breath I take is only like memento mori. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, yeah, man, props, you know? And I'm just like, dude, no, like I'm really serious, but like I had lost my, (laughs) (laughs) and so like, that was my last, like the last words I could utter. And so basically I went into a full-blown panic attack 
And so I kind of like stumbled into my tent and just, it took me a little while to get my breath. But what cannabis showed me in that was like, hey, this is the opportunity for you to be more self-aware before you dive in with me, right? Just because you might be used to me, and at that point I was interacting with it daily, you know, doesn't mean that I can't potentially show you something within you that might scare you, right? That might not be the thing you want to experience in a group of people at a music festival. Right. So I think that like the music festival thing is a big thing that I love talking about because you know, no judgment, but I see some very interesting life decisions being made at music festivals, you know? Sure, sure. And also like what you think, you'll feel like, oh, I'm not really feeling that much. But when you got fucking waves of bass hitting you and lights flashing, <laughs> like you don't know what the fuck you're feeling. Like yeah. it's so much stimulus yeah. that then when you go move on or if it's Burning Man, you're on your bike and you're in the middle of the the dark playa and you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> the good thing about Burning Man is you're on a bike though. So like that actual kinetic movement of your legs actually helps you. Yeah. You know, because then you're like that can get your like sweat going. That can get your muscles pumping, which mm-hmm. typically helps. Another n- less intense because I feel that too. If I have tension somewhere, I mean, I I will just make love to a lacrosse ball on my back for like hours and yes. it'll be like, feel like the most productive thing I've ever done in my life. My number know? one travel tool. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So that's that's definitely there. And the other thing I've, I've noticed is if I haven't brushed my teeth, I'll get so aware like, God damn, my teeth are fucking filthy. They're mad at me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Jesus, does anybody have a toothbrush? <laughs> yeah. Just willing to borrow anybody's toothbrush. Yeah, that please. <laughs> I won't ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it highlights a lot of things that are there that we don't notice. Some mild irritant will then become like a very large irritant. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. And I think this is once again like – the um the opportunity for people to understand more about these medicines because you know set and setting is huge right it's this thing that a lot of people know they can say yes set and setting is important but until you've realized it because knowing and realizing i think are two totally different things where knowing is a you know a summation of what information and education you have around something realization is when you actually have the direct experience yourself and i think in today's world there's a lot of knowledge but not enough applied knowledge and therefore direct experience and so like when you actually have the direct experience like we were talking about about set and setting actually like oh this is why that matters i think that really helps a lot and being able to give people that direct experience in their own household at first where they can experience different sides of cannabis or other plant medicines as well then they have more information moving forward when they go to a music festival to be able to use discernment and saying I don't think right now is the right time, you know? And I think that that's for so many people what they don't think. They're like, oh, all of my friends are having a great time. I trust these people. You know, I don't think they're peer pressuring them in most cases, like peer pressure was set in the D.A.R.E. program and things like that. But, you know, they're like, oh, all my friends are having a good time. Why wouldn't I have a good time? But they might, like me in that situation, have not really checked in and gone, I'm really upregulated right now and I'm really focused on some challenges within my physical body and I'm making those things into a story that it's really bad. And so if I interact with, say, cannabis right now, this could be an ordeal instead of an experience, right? And that's a translation that, you know, we don't want to necessarily have to have, but if we do have an ordeal instead of an experience, we want to have the right set and setting in which to contain that. Yeah. One of the other challenges too is the measurement of dose. So like, so people, people who are very cannabis familiar will, you know, they'll have a joint or a blunt and they'll just fucking smoke that thing. Mm -hmm. like, And they'll watch me and they look really cool when they do it. And I look like a robot, you know, like I pull it into my mouth, like I would a cigar. So I know it's just one mouthful of, of, of smoke. Mm -hmm. 
and then I'll let it cool down a little bit in my mouth before I actually inhale. And then I'll breathe in a full inhale of all that cool air so I'm not roasting my lungs and coughing a bunch. Mm. But I'll do it in this very kind of mechanistic way. And definitely all of the cannabis familiar people will be like, what a dork. <laughs> and I'm like, I get it. I get it. You know, I'm not I'm not the cool guy blowing this out of my nose, yeah. blowing it half out, sucking it back in. <laughs> Fucking no, I'm not Gandalf the weed smoker yeah. here. Sorry, everybody. You know, but I'll just be very measured with it. And I think that was, you know, I don't know if people still do this. It seems like it's gone out of favor, but back, you know, in college and stuff, like bongs were big, mm. right? Like you just have this whole tube of of smoke and you suck the whole thing down and clear it and it's like fucking terrible idea I don't, oh, how much how much is that how much what do you know it's brutal and also at the same time i've never seen people hit the floor uh quicker than when they're hitting bongs right especially gravity bongs remember people making those things in bathtubs back in the day with like you know a two liter bottle or whatever where they're essentially like sucking it down and they're taking this gigantic hit and like at the end of the day like that's also stressing your lungs it's stressing your throat <laughs> and like you know it's cannabis will have a sympathetic ryan's response. laughing he must have done this <laughs> yeah. guilty He's as charged you know? he must have done this before <laughs> guilty as charged <laughs> i tried it so other people don't have to you know <laughs> and it's like so many people do this the same thing with concentrates too you know i was in las vegas and you know i was very used to interacting with concentrates at that point in my life because i was in the industry and i was interacting with hash all the time but i went to this dab bar and for some reason i don't know what i was doing but i decided to pick two sativa dabs right so i did these dabs and i literally didn't feel like i had legs anymore and so i didn't know at any point like i'm standing around all these people i'm like am i just gonna hit the floor because like i knew i wasn't like so high that i thought i was gonna hit the floor because i was out of control but i could not feel my legs and so i was like how do i know if my knees are gonna buckle and so those kind of things are just like things that now i only use the volcano yeah. because for me i'm not looking once again now to get as high as possible I'm looking to get just beyond the threshold of normal consciousness so I can start to see what's just out of the way of me that then I can pick up the message for. Yeah. Because when you integrate, which I really think is not an optional thing, if you want to interact with these substances as a medicine, right, which there's no judgment, you can use them however you want, but if you want them to be able to act as a teacher of medicine, then you need to integrate. That's where the real work is. And so now because I've been able to integrate and actually like take the action, like you were saying with your buddy who was the musician, right? Like it's not just about praying, right? It's about praying and moving your feet as Paul says, right? And yeah. so being able to do both of those where now I come out of the experience and I go, okay, the next week I'm going to be sober and I'm going to integrate this because that's how I interact with cannabis. I only use it on weekends. And that's specifically because what I've found is that with my pattern I've run in the past with unconscious use, that's just what works for me. And so for people listening, I don't know if there's a right and wrong way to interact with cannabis or a right or wrong amount. This is just my personal way of doing it. And it's also the way that Hamilton Souther and other shamans that work with this medicine speak about interacting with it. They do that to preserve the transcendental and spiritual properties of it, which is now my main intention with it. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm only interacting with it twice per week. But now that I've been able to integrate and actually take the lessons and messages that cannabis is showing me and actually apply them to my life, I don't need as much cannabis because my life is becoming a psychedelic experience. Right. I'm not literally tripping and fractals are coming up, but I'm experiencing the magic within these experiences. And I imagine you've had the same thing, right? Like sure. that's the real beauty of what these medicines do is show you what's already possible in your life. And that's, I think, why so many people get dependent on cannabis specifically because there's no guidance, but also they're living in discomfort of some sort or they're curious. They experience this new experience. They go, 
That felt better than my normal experience. Well, what do I do to feel that all the time? Must need more of it. And they miss the step of like, no, the real message of this plan, like Terrence McKenna said, is to get the message and then hang up the phone for a little while and assimilate that and integrate it. Mm -hmm. So then your life can start resembling the magic of these experiences. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember, you know, for a while, I had a buddy who was just, again, one of those like could not possibly have enough cannabis. So he went from you know, smoking joints to then smoking dabs to whatever glass and shatter and hash and all of this. And he would, he was so irresponsible with it and he would be doing it. And whether he was encouraging it or other people were just seeing what he was doing, they would try to do what he did. And he could literally kill an entire after party where all of the sudden (laughs) everybody was dancing and having a good time and we're just all having a blast. And then people are fucking dropping like flies. And I'm like, bro, stop, <laughs> just fucking stop. Like yeah. we were having so much fun before you came in here with your fucking super glass concentrate shatter hash. Like fucking stop. Yeah. Like no, you know, and eventually just was like stopped inviting him. Like, no, done, you're done. You're not invited. It's such a thing, man, you know, where like I experienced a lot of the same things where at parties, people are looking to smoke joints right off the bat. And I'm like, guys, again, no judgment, just curious observation. Like, what is your intention for this party? Do you want to be on the couch the whole time? Like, it's one thing if you're going to interact with nitrous or something, you're going to be on a couch. But like cannabis is just going to put you on the couch because it's very relaxing in most cases. right? Yeah, well, nitrous also is going to be about man, two minutes. Yeah. And then you're you going to need to fucking hit. pop out. Yeah. You know, like, Whoa, that was wild. And <laughs> yeah. I'm not, it's not saying to endorse nitrous yeah. for whatever reason, but it's limited. Yeah. It's not a party ender. Yeah. You, cannabis is an end game. That's what it, I always say. Yeah. It is an end game. You yeah. know? It's, it's powerful, man. Like, and I think a lot of people, because they use it so frequently, you know, this is again, the set and setting thing. This happened to me where I was interacting with it daily. I was like, oh, I know this plant, right? I know it, but I didn't know anything at that point. Cause I didn't really know myself. And as within, so without, right. The hermetic principles and lower correspondence. If I don't really know who I am, then how much am I going to be able to understand how, who anyone is or any plant is or anything. And I think that's where a lot of people get in trouble. And it's the, you know, the thing with the hash too, is it's so funny. You know, I see people that you know, it's real. There's no difference between how you interact with cannabis and alcohol, tobacco, et cetera. Like, I think a lot of people, especially in the industry, glorify like, oh, I'm smoking all day and doing all these things. I'm like, guys, you're numbing something out. Like in most right. cases, like unless you're extremely experienced, and I have met some individuals that have an extremely positive relationship with cannabis and use it frequently. But in most cases, these people are numbing things out. And I know that from working with over 5,000 of them, that mm-hmm. when I get a little bit under the surface and I'm like, how are you doing? And they're like, good. And I'm like, how are you really doing? They're like, shitty, you know? And I'm like, okay, so what's really going on here? And I think that's another big distinction that I really want to bring to the surface with cannabis is that, listen, just because, you know, you might not get psych, I mean, physically addicted to it, there are opportunities for you to to become dependent on this medicine. And it's because if you're living in discomfort, and then you're interacting with a feminine medicine that can provide feelings of comfort and you continue externalizing your power onto that, it's the same thing as being addicted to your mother, right? And being able to being afraid to leave the nest or any of these things. Yeah. Or, you know, coming home after a long day and having drinks, right? To forget about your day. It's really the energy behind how you're doing it that makes it the relationship it is. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you do it? How do you cultivate cannabis at the level that you're cultivating it? Because it seems magic what mm. you're doing. Somehow your relationship with the spirit of cannabis that translates down to everything from the soil to the cultivation has to be significantly different than other 
ways in which people are doing it. So what is what is the differentiation for what you do versus what is standard? Mm. Yeah, I loved exploring this question because it's really, I can break it down into uh, quantifiable and qualitative measures. And so with the more quantifiable side, what I'm doing is I'm mixing my own soils. So I'm getting everything organic OMRI listed and I'm, I'm working with different amendments that are creating a specific... Um, uh, base soil mix, and then adding certain things into it to create a really healthy microbial community. And then from there, what I'm doing is I'm applying mulch layers and things that really mimic the forest floor. And this is like regenerative agriculture, no-till gardening. These are terms that I use a lot. And the other thing I'm adding in is Korean natural farming, which you haven't dove into, dove into this yet. It's fascinating. It's essentially taking nature and making ferments out of it. And the cornerstone of it is something called IMO, which stands for indigenous microorganisms. And the analogy I use for this is it's really synonymous with stem cells, but with nature. So with stem cells, they're taking them out of your hip. They're applying them in a different area of your body with IMO. When you look into microbial uh, supplements that you can buy for plants, right? Because you can buy Max Microbe, Mammoth Pea, all of these things that can inoculate your soil with more microbes. But the challenge is that those microbes are cultivated at a certain altitude in a certain place. And so if, say, if you're in Boston and you're getting microbes that were cultivated in California, well, a lot of them are going to die off. And so a lot of times it's just a waste of money and it's ineffective. When you're doing IMO, you're actually taking a small wooden box, you're putting uh, al dente rice into it, you're putting a screen over the top, you're putting it into nature at some place, usually like at a fallen tree where there's a lot of fungal activity. And you can see this because when you dig down just a little bit in the soil, you should be able to start finding these little white hyphae, which are like little strands of fungus. Mm -hmm. And so when you see that, you're nestling the box into there and you're leaving it there for usually, you know, a week or two, depending on the time of year. And usually you put a couple different ones out. And when you go back, hopefully that that hyphae has colonized that rice. And so you'll have this white substance on there, this, this really mycelium. And so and what you're doing from there is then you're through a process of uh, five steps, you're taking that's IMO1, you're turning it into IMO2 where you combine it with brown sugar, and then you're going through this process where you're combining it with compost and soil and actually grain first, then uh, compost, then soil. And so when you do that, you're breeding these microbes that are indigenous to your area. And then you take that and you apply it to your garden. And so what you're doing is you're taking the stem cells that you just cultivated, applying it to your garden, and everything gets boosted because these microbes are what actually break down nutrients in the soil and make them and turn them from insoluble into soluble nutrients. Mm -hmm. So the cool thing about organic growing as composed with chemical salt growing is that with chemical salts, essentially the belief system there is that we can figure out nature, right? It's not that hard. We can figure it out. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. Good luck. And what we know about you know cannabis and other plants is that their root systems, you know, they're asking for different nutrients at like microsecond different levels where they might want calcium and then magnesium within a fraction of a second. And it's really cool how the roots work because they're putting out these this exudate, which is like this like sugary substance. And essentially the microbes are coming to them and being like, we want some of your exudate. And they're like, well, go get us calcium or magnesium or nitrogen or whatever. And so it's kind of this flirting game, right, that they're doing. But at the end of the day, if you're saying like, oh, with cannabis, like, yeah, if you're in vegetative state, you're just going to apply, you know, a nitrogen fertilizer. And then in, you know, a flower, you're going to do potassium and phosphorus, right? Well, that's part of the equation, right? You can add a micronutrients, but how do you know what that plant might have wanted that it's missing out on? So when you give it an organic setup, you're giving it a buffet and you're allowing it to just pick what it wants. And so it allows the plant to be much more conducive to being able to be like, okay, I have what I need. And what I imagine is that there's a safety there with the plant because plants are sentient, right? Like if they have what they need, they're going to be able to express themselves more like the salsa dance analogy once mm -hmm. again. And then the final step that I'm throwing in there 
is biogeometry. And I don't know of any other cannabis grower that's doing this. I know of one hemp farmer in Sweden. I learned it through biogeometry when I took the foundations course. Of course, they didn't know what I did with cannabis and everything, but you know, they mentioned, oh yeah, and there's this hemp farmer in Sweden. And I'm like perking up. I'm like, what are they about to talk about? And they're like, yeah, he's taking this certain shape, putting around his stalks and his yields are tripling. And I'm like, can you repeat that? Right. And so immediately I was like, I'm going to try that out. And so I applied these different uh, biogeometry techniques to my room. And what I realized was not only did my yield increase, but the quality was unbelievable. And it felt as though when I, when I put biogeometry in my house, just in general, it felt like I could take a sigh of relief. And so I'm imagining that the plants can do so as well, because just like humans with our biofield, we have interference with EMFs and all of these things, and especially with grow lights and all of this stuff. There's just a lot of interference that we might not be able to hear, but it doesn't mean it's not there. And so with plants, they feel the same way. And so what I felt in, from the energy of my room when I went in there is that they were able to take that sigh of relief too and go, okay, we're just going to do what we're meant to do. Like they actually want you to do less, right? Like they know what they need to do. But the more that we have to be involved in the process, in my experience, the more that we're really just doing ourselves a disservice and the plant a disservice because the plant and nature is going to be smarter at doing what it needs to do than we are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the common misbeliefs that I see a lot in the industry, not to mention that there's this whole other qualitative side where I've done a lot of work on myself with medicines and also with self-development as well, where now my energy has changed as well. And I think that's a huge part of the equation and why I'm so like pumped up to make the next course we're making grow with cannabis because it's not just about how to grow cannabis it's growing with cannabis because mm. i really feel this plant can help us grow but again it's not just up to the plant it's not a given and it's not the plant's responsibility to do the work for us and so a big part of the program is how do you ensure that your energy is in the proper state before you walk into your cultivation facility or your cultivation room or your grow tent etc because i know from working in the industry most of these growers are showing up either still drunk from the night before, not making enough money, working for a company that's soulless in nature, that only cares about how cheap they can grow it and how much money they can make. And so that energy really comes off. And Hamilton talks about this too, where when you're interacting with any plant medicine, but especially cannabis, you are interacting with the level of consciousness of the grower who cultivated that medicine. And so that's another huge component as to why people experience anxiety, paranoia, et cetera, because it could be just left over from what that person was feeling when they cultivated the medicine. And so there's this whole other realm that's harder to measure. And so that's why I always start out with a more quantifiable and scientific way, because I know science is a big thing these days, but there is this whole other side that really is just science that's yet to be discovered, was what I truly mm -hmm. believe, but it is worth talking about. Because it's one of the things that is really hard to control right now, even though cannabis is legal in most places, or at least medical or decriminalized, you really can't understand or, or figure out how to get the right medicine with the right energy, unless you're cultivating yourself. And the Yakwe Indians, you know, that Don Juan talks about, they understood this. When you read Don Juan's books, they're like, you have to grow it yourself, right? And they weren't necessarily working with cannabis. But when I read that, it really resonated with me because I was like, this is what I've experienced. And I hadn't heard it anywhere else until then. Now I've heard it in a bunch of different places. But, you know, being able to cultivate your own medicine, I think, is the best way to be able to have a constructive, co-creative relationship with this plant because it takes love. It takes compassion. It takes patience. It takes a lot of the highest states of awareness that a human being seeks to enter to be able to interact with cannabis and cultivate it in such a way. And you're going to be able to notice at that final product if like your energy was off. And so I love talking about that side of it as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it can't be overstated how hubristic it is, how cocky it is when humans think that we can understand 
nature. And that's that could be soil, that could be a plant, that could be an ecosystem, that could be the human body. And then even more so, people think they can understand how to manage all of those different things through their own top-down control mechanisms. And I think it's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you're not God. Yeah. You're not. Because God <laughs> is every different perspective. And that's what all of these things are. Every perspective of the plant kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the animal kingdom, the human kingdom, all of these different things interacting. And there's what's needed is just kind of a bow of reverence, like deep respect. I can mm -hmm. understand a little bit, but I trust you. I trust you that you're far more intelligent than I can ever be because you're comprised of so many more perspectives mm. than I have. Absolutely. You know, it's one of the mantras I say when I'm interacting with any plant medicine is show me, help me, teach me. Because what I recognize is that I wouldn't be interacting with this plant if I didn't, if I wasn't curious about something, if I wasn't searching for something. And so to the degree that I can empty myself before entering my room or before interacting with cannabis or any other medicine is the degree to which I'm able to actually receive messages from the plant. But, you know, I always say that you know, when I'm looking to interact with, you know, cannabis around some people or I'm facilitating a session for some people and they mentioned they're a little nervous, I'm like, that's a good thing, right? Like you want to have a healthy amount of, I wouldn't say fear, but like, you know, nervousness around these medicines. Sure. The people that really scare me, the people that are like, dude, I'm fine. Just give me it. I'm like, that's the person that I don't want to have to play, you know, catch up with if they mm. have a really challenging experience. And so that's one of the things that I think with nature and all of these things is realizing, humbling ourselves and realizing that we're never going to really understand those things, but we can respect them and then ask them to be like, hey, we know we're never going to be in your world, but can you show us a little bit of it? You know, mm. that's where I've gotten some really cool lessons from. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So people listening, obviously there's a lot of people are going to want to try and experience your medicine and mm. the way that the laws are, very few people are actually going to be able to do it. Mm. So tell us, if that is possible, mm. you know, how that could be possible. And mm. then for also the resources, you mentioned a lot of different resources you're working on. Where can people find all that? Mm. So right now, there's no way for me to get my medicine into people's hands. Um, if you happen to be around me at a check workshop or when I'm coming out, uh, I'd be more than happy to interact with it with you and give you some experiences. But what I really seek to do is to teach people through the two courses I have, both how to connect with the medicine and connect with themselves deeper through connect with cannabis. That's the first course. And then how to cultivate their own medicine. Because being able to, say, put the seed in your mouth before you plant it and inoculate it with your own microbiome, I mean, it, le it le leads to this amazing experience, this co-creative relationship that I feel is so powerful. And so for anyone looking to uh, get into either one of those courses, you can find me on Instagram at the real Ryan Sprague, um, S-P-R-A-G-U-E is my last name, or on the business account at highly.optimize, where we're giving out constant free tips, things like that. We also have a free Facebook group where you can hop in. We do plenty of webinars. We do fun stuff in there. You can hop in. We do a lot of really off-the-cuff question, question and answer type things. And so those are the best places to get in touch with me. But what I would say is that, you know, for anyone who is currently interacting with cannabis and maybe you don't know where your stuff was grown and you don't know who, grow it, who grew it, but you have it and you're really interested in trying this out, one of the things that I always suggest is that very similar to how if a dog has been in a really challenged environment, that dog might be kind of standoffish to you, even if you're a really nice person. But after a while, if that dog learns to trust you, it'll be able to warm up to you, even if it had a really challenged upbringing. And so with cannabis, you might not know how it was grown. You might not know who grew it. But if you can, if you can 
really hold that medicine and speak to it and say, hey, I promise to hold you in reverence and I promise to show you my love, right, in this experience. I found that to be a really good way to not fully remediate, but at least take a big step forward in being able to remediate what that medicine might have in it, whose energy they might have in it, how it was grown, under what lights, et cetera. And so that would be a great place to start with if someone's like, I really want to experience this with that kind of medicine. You can be able to speak to this medicine in my experience and shift a little bit of that energy just by showing it like, I know your true power and I promise to not just use you. I promise to connect with you instead because that language switch is big in my experience. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to mention that, you know, for people in states that it's available, uh, a good source for ketamine if you're interested in exploring this. And again, this is not a recommendation, you know, go through the intake, speak to the medical professionals that they have there. But Wonder Sciences, Wonder Med Mm. is uh, is the company that I work with Mm. uh, to get really good ketamine lozenges that you can experience this and and you know treat this like like your church you know like like real sacrament Mm -hmm. and that's where you're going to get the real value out of it Mm -hmm. i met a guy recently who what he does is every sunday he'll sit with cannabis and just ask it show me what i'm ready to see right now and he'll just have a whiteboard and he'll write things out and he's like that is my church every sunday so it's funny you mentioned that (laughs) yeah for sure well this is a real pleasure brother absolutely man thank you for having me on absolutely absolutely uh so much love for everybody tuning in again hopefully this information was helpful and it is not a recommendation or a carte blanche obviously hopefully we put enough caveats in here and i always (laughs) want to emphasize that Um, but it can be a really powerful tool when used in the right way so thanks for sharing the right energy and the right information about this incredibly powerful teacher. Thank you. Absolutely. Much love, everybody. Peace. Much love. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed this wide-ranging conversation about all things cannabis. Of course, use any medicine responsibly. This isn't a carte blanche recommendation for everybody to go get high as fuck. You're your own sovereign being. Judge your own path accordingly. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week.